God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain set. So we are considering the house of his glory. And like I mentioned yesterday, this is supposed to be a follow-on from the special program we had recently. I mentioned yesterday that I expect that whatever is shared here, those that are also not here will follow. Do you see? If you followed very well what we did, the last special program, then this should help you. Amen. And in the last special program, what was the theme? Ascension. What was the theme of the previous one? The spirit that makes alive. Do you see? Then this one was ascension. And this one, the whole approach was to help us appreciate how that we are vessels of God, isn't it? Yeah. And this special program here, still we are dwelling on how that we are vessels, but I'm making the attempt to explain in more detail what it means to be a vessel, okay? For instance, the immediate understanding when we talk of vessel is something that contains, right? So a cup is a vessel, you get it? A plate is a vessel. You put food on the plate, you put water in the cup. A basket is a vessel, right? A ship is a vessel, right? Okay, so a vessel in the normal way of looking at things has to do with what contains, do you get it? But there's something about a vessel that actually we must appreciate and that is really what the Bible is referring to when we are called vessels, hallelujah. Yes, there is the aspect of containing, okay? So God must dwell in us. And in this case, you see the house of his glory. So we are looking at God dwelling in us. Do you get it? But when we look specifically at what it means for God to dwell in us, okay, we realize that it is more of we responding to God than just God dwelling in us. Do you understand that? When you consider the house in the normal way, it's like, oh, God will come and sit down in us. Do you get it? And then operate in us. Now, that is true. But how it works exactly 
Okay, it's what I want us to look at. Because if you don't know how it works, you think, okay, just like the gloves, when God's hands enter you, then he'll move your hands. He'll move you, right? Now, that is true, but how does it work? How does it work? Please, you understand that? How does it work? And you better appreciate it when you look at it from what a human being is. Like you that you are sitting there, what you are. We know that the scripture says that we are nothing in ourselves, right? You know that you are nothing in yourself. It only appears that you are something in yourself, but you are nothing in yourself. It means that you see the way you think, that you are thinking, right? You are thinking, you are thinking. It's as if you are generating the ability to think from yourself, but no. You are only responding to stimuli. Do you get it? The stimuli is from God. God is the one stimulating you. So the ability to even think, the ability to feel, the ability to decide on things, the ability to take steps. Even though it feels like, ah, you are the one deciding that you take the steps, you are the one deciding that you will move. What is happening is that God is moving and he's impacting you and your response to his impact, the impact God is having on you is actually what feels to you as though you are the one thinking, you are the one moving. In the same way, it is also hell that is moving. And the impact of hell on you, what you are doing now is your response. In other words, if heaven were removed from you, you get it? And at the same time, hell were removed from you, you fold. Do you see? You fold. Like, you will not be anything. You see, when a glove is lying there, it's not anything, right? It's just lying there. There's nothing that moves it. The glove cannot move itself, right? Uh So when the hand enters it, then the glove comes alive. Does that make sense? So if heaven and hell were to be removed from you, you will not be anything. Because you are like an interface. That's all. When we look at an interface, when what is showing is not there, the interface doesn't generate anything. You are like a puppet. When there is no puppeteer, the puppet cannot do anything. That's the nature of a human being. The human being, the best example to refer to yourself is that you are a puppet, either for hell or for heaven. You are an organ. You respond. That is your quality. The quality that you have is to respond to stimulus that is being brought to you. You respond. You react. That's what you do. Hallelujah. You feel like you love, right? You have love for something. You are responding to something that is entering you. You feel like you are thinking. Certain thoughts are running through your mind, right? You think that you are the one generating it, but it's either coming from hell or heaven. You are responding. You are in traffic. Dizzy. The traffic is happening. You are set in the traffic. Some time ago, I was sharing that at times some of the dreams that you have is conversations by 
either evil spirit or good spirit that you eavesdropped on. So God was not telling you anything. No information. It doesn't mean anything. It's either good spirit or like you see, you are sitting there, maybe Pastor Joe is talking to Dr. Mood, right? And then you hear some. Like Dixon, you hear some. You get it. At times, that's how your dream is. So you just overheard a conversation. At times, an impact will come upon you in your dream. It's just maybe two people are fighting and somebody threw their hand and they teach you. Do you get it? It's not a message. It's not anything. That's what comes from the spiritual experiences cannot be explained because there is a spiritual dimension of you. And in the spiritual plane, you are affected by some of the trafficking that takes place there. Do you get it? And that is how you are. I know it's difficult to believe that you that you are sitting there, you are just like your dress that is hanging on the hanger in your wardrobe. That's you. You see your dress, your dress that you have ironed is hanging in your wardrobe. That's the human being. That's the human being. I know you want to think more highly of yourself than that. Do you get it? And those who want to think that way, it is because they have also rejected the purpose for which God made us. Because if you know why God made you and for what purpose, then you'll understand that it is good that you are like the dress that is hanging in your wardrobe. Because it is God that will wear you. You were meant for God to wear you. I know you think that had the thoughts, even like the thoughts that you are using to think that, Charlie, you know what you are thinking and that what is pastor talking about and what is pastor talking about. You, get it. you think it's yours, but I'm saying it's traffic. It's traffic. What do you think? Actually, this is one of the things that the more you are sent in spirituality, that's what you begin to understand. And that's why what I was sharing with you yesterday is important. This I was explaining to you that you want to have conviction to move in a certain direction. You are used to thinking that you must generate the conviction. You find in you there is no conviction. Not knowing that you are like the dress hanging in your wardrobe. If no conviction is wearing you, you have no conviction. So your work is to go and look for the conviction that will wear you. Your work is not to generate the conviction, the dress cannot generate what will wear it. You can't do that. What you can do is to yield. That's why yesterday I was explaining to you that you are like the sail that is on a ship. The wind is blowing. It's like the waves. You see the electromagnetic waves? They are everywhere, right? Uh-huh. So if you know, if you can get a gadget that is correct, you can use it to tap into the wave. The gadget, the creator of the wave, I think some of you want to think that the gadget created it. No, we know it. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed, right? We are taking advantage of it. So you build a gadget and then high frequencies, right? You tune in. Nobody is generating any frequency. It's like a road that you want to go to a place and then there are roads. You get different levels of road. There's a road that if you are like a grandma and your car is 40 miles per hour, right? Your road is there. Then if you do 80 miles or 100, yours is there. 
then those that are driving sports cars to DS is there. Do you get it? You know, it's there already. In this universe, everything is there already. Everything is there already. Color. Right. Where is color? You know, color is there already. You know, you can't believe, right? Like, nobody made this thing blue. Nobody made this thing blue. Now, you see blue paint. It's not blue. You get it? It's something. It's not color. What it's doing is that it is allowing the blue that is in the light to come into your eyes. That's why it's blue. Do you get it? But in itself, the blue is not in the thing. The blue is not a property of the thing. The property is its ability to reflect the blue to you. Do you get it? You see how it appears like this thing is blue? That's how human beings are. See, this is not blue, but it has become a, now it's like it's blue. If we tell the child that it's not blue, it doesn't want to believe. Like that's how you are. You have responded, responded, responded. And God has made it for the sake of free will that such response to the traffic, you don't feel it. You either feel independent as though you are thinking as in yourself so that your choices will be done as of yourself. Not that of yourself, as of yourself. <laughs> so when somebody does a bad thing and says it's the work of the devil, it's really true. It's not like, oh, no. It's really true. Just that what we don't get is that for us to believe when somebody says that it's the work of the devil, it must be that the person didn't do it intentionally. I'll share with the Shiana people that every evil we do is intentional. Some people say you can do some evil, you know you did it intentionally, so you can't come to God. You get it. But if you didn't do the evil intentionally, it's not evil. And uh, for it to be bad, you must intend it. It means you must will it. You must think it, then you must do it. If you didn't will it and you did it, it's not bad. Like even in the law court, it's like that. if you kill somebody accidentally, it's not murder. It's manslaughter. You could actually walk away free. Do you get it? Because you didn't intend it. And I... So some of us, we think that when we have done something wrong intentionally, then... You can't come to God, right? What have you done unintentionally that was a sin? I want to know. Nothing. The sins that God said when you do come, no, they are all intentional. Like you decided that you are going to do it. Eh? It came into your mind that you shouldn't do it, right? And then you decided that you would do it. When you are done, God says, it's okay, come. He wants to help you still. That's the feeling, right? So, at times, when someone says that it's the work of the devil, we think that it's the unintentional one. No. I'm talking about the intentional one. Because you are worked upon. See, what you think is your will that you have used to intend on. It's only something that reacts. It responds. Do you get it? So, so then I don't have a choice in the matter. You have a choice in the matter. It's like your antenna, right? So, you are catching some 
frequency here, right? Then God says, I know. He's giving you a signal here that no, catch this one, catch this one. So if you decide to tune in to God's own, then his influence comes upon you. That's what is happening. That's what is happening. So when somebody has done evil, it is really the work of the devil. That's how Jesus was talking to the Jewish people and said, you are of your father, the devil. Do you see? Your father is the one from whom you live. That's your source. We have been made say that we must live from somewhere. We must think from somewhere. We must consider from somewhere. Somewhere other than ourselves. We must understand from somewhere. We must feel from somewhere. You have no personal feeling you generate. You yield to a feeling. So all the feelings that can enter you, all the shades of feeling, they are already there. You are yielding to some. The feelings of depression and all that, they are arranged there already. It's like a library today. You choose that. Let me go and study. Easy. You see, I know you are seeing that this thing I'm telling you is important. So give your mind to what I'm saying. Like, pay attention because if you get this, you will understand your regeneration. Because some of you are approaching the regeneration wrong. You think that God gives you his word, then you have to go and go and apply yourself to his word and then come and say, God, this is what I've done. Are you impressed? You are like the guy that received one talent. Because anytime you act that way, you feel this sentiment in your heart. It's a trafficking, right? So you yield yourself to this sentiment that says that God, eh, he's a hard man and he likes to reap where he has not sown. And many of you feel like what God is requiring of you is too much for you. Put up your hand if you feel like that at times. Like what God wants you to is too much. Yeah. So you have a grudge against God. Just that you're afraid to say it. You get, but if God says, say it, I don't mind you. Like I don't do anything to you. You say that, no, no. And it's because you have misunderstood God. Now, this misunderstanding, do you know where it's coming from? You yielded yourself also to another trafficking. Do you know what God is trying to do to you now? God is also convincing you to yield yourself to a different trafficking. That's all. And that's what his word does for you. That will get you to change your mind. You don't receive the word of God and go. Yesterday, I took time to explain to you that the package that is called the word of God, it is not just an instruction. As part of that, package, there's also the part where you are stirred up, the part where you are motivated, the part where you are strengthened, the part where you are galvanized in that thought. But if you go with God, some of the things you can't do now, by the time you get there, you'll be able to do it. You'll be sure. I explained to you how it works. Something that you think you can't do now, so you don't want to say yes to God. It's because you are thinking that you must generates the doing from yourself. And you have looked down, 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 deep within you, and you realize that it's not there. Do you see? It's not in anyone. It's not in anyone. I say you are like that dress that is hanging in your bedroom. Nothing is inside it. It's not in anyone. And those of you who think you can do something, so it's in you, relax. It means that it's not even God that has strengthened you to do it yet. So it means that you are being moved by an evil that has appeared like a strength. And when the enemy finally is done with you, you see your weakness. So it's not like that. You know what Paul said? He said, what makes you to differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? 
plaques. If you have an understanding, you received it. If you have reasoning, you have the ability to reason, you received it. If you have the ability to think, you received it. If you have the strength to quail, you received it. If you had the hope to keep going, you received it. So if you want to believe God, right, for something, you check inside, there's no faith there, right? You say, nah, there's nothing. Then they say, oh, believe, believe. Then you try to find it inside, but it's not there. If you believe, that faith comes from God. All of this is in God. That's called your inheritance. Your inheritance is what will come and wear you. You see, you see how I always tell you that I'm thinking of what you need to make your journey work, right? I'm always thinking then, God says, okay, this one is necessary. This is the current one that you need. See, always, that is like, hey! I wish I knew this, right? This is the one that you wish you knew now. So listen to it. It's important. Do you see? I remember I'm sitting there, God is telling me that I'll preach. I look inside me. I don't even know how to string three thoughts together. You would think that I'm lying. I'm not. Like, even constantly, it's happening to me. Like, at times I'm there, I'm going to get ready to preach. Like, as I'm saying, I've listed all the things I want to share with you. You see? Because as I was praying, it entered me like spirit, right? You see? But I know that if I'm going to speak to you like the way it entered me, the same spirit must come. And so, I'm not sure if I'll be able to allow the same spirit to come. So, I've listed it. That's my backup. You see? But if as I'm talking to you, I'm able to hit those things, I will speak about it in the same order that I listed it. Because the Spirit of God came upon me and I wrote it. See how the Spirit of God can come upon you if you don't write it? It leaves. Right? What came into your mind, it will leave. Somehow, later, you want to remind what came into you that really made you feel so strong. It will leave. You see, you move from thought to thought. You explain this and you move here, you move here, you move here, you move here. All that is a frequency. It's a frequency. Husband, what are you talented in? Branding. Branding. Yeah. Okay. So you know that this talent that you call branding is as if a spirit is inside you that makes you see things in a certain way and understand a certain way and prescribe solutions in a certain way, right? And it's not in someone else, right? Okay. Now, that movement inside you is not for you. It's not you. It's all with God. You just have been worked by God. And some of God's working is in the natural. So through the thing that you have worked on in terms of yourself at the lower levels of your mind, is that you have built an antenna, right? Or you have turned your antenna to tune into that realm. That's all. You see, those who play football will understand this. Me, those that I used to play football actively, I used to do many things that like, ah, how did I do this? See, I remember when I was in class six, I scored a goal in inter-school. Inter-school soccer. And that thing that I did, up to now, I don't understand. This is that good that I scored. Because I was playing seven, right? Somebody crossed the ball from number 11. I remember the guy, we used to call him Kalusha. And then I came from the number seven. And then I met the ball this way, right? But I kicked the ball this way. 
I just put my foot there like this, and the ball directed this way. So the keeper stood like this, and the ball passed. He couldn't move. It's not that the keeper could move. We call it instinct, right? Now, that instinct you think is you, it's not you. But it's also not that you were sitting there and then it came on you like a come. No. You organize yourself. Yeah, I used to watch a lot of football. I used to play a lot of football. I used to do a lot of things regarding that. So I was organizing my mind in such a way that I can tune into such place. Like many of the footballers that play well, they do it instinctively. A lot of the things are instinct. Like I'm going to even kick a free kick into the top corner. How do you really do that? The margins of error are plenty. But it will happen. Do you see? How do you do Sulia? <laughs> it's a frequency. It's not for any man. It's all for God. See, that's why the Bible said that so that God will become all in all. You have to understand this. So. Don't think too highly of yourself. See, like that's what the Bible says. That no man should think too highly of himself. There is a way that you ought to think of yourself. That's what the Bible says. Don't think of yourself more than you ought to. So there's a way you ought to. And that way is that you are that dress hanging in the wardrobe. Your work is to look for somebody to wear you. And if you tilt yourself to hell, hell will wear you. And the more you incline yourself to God, God will wear you. So like I tell you, feel like you don't have strength, right? That strength is with God. If you allow God, yes, I was explaining to you that you say yes to God. If you keep saying yes to God and keep tilting. Normally, our problem is that we need the strength in level five. Do you see? So we anticipate that, no, we will not be able to. But what you need to do is that do the level one, do the level two. By the time God is done with you and you are at level five, you'll be shocked. Which human being wants to be killed? If you want to be killed, put up your hand. Okay, which human being will present themselves that, like there's fire, let me just put my hand in the fire. But you know, men have literally walked into fire and stood in the fire to be burnt. What happened? It's a build-up. There's a frequency that a man can do that. That frequency doesn't belong to you. It's not for you. There's a frequency in the spirit that a man can do that. So if you look in yourself, see, they are going to burn us, right? If you look in yourself, you say, hey, hey, I love my body. All understand that all of us, we love our body. Everybody. So you don't be ashamed. Inside a normal man, when you look, you love your body. Do you get it? Even that you love your body, you no, know, it's from hell. It's hell that has been feeling you. That's what we are all used to. Like lust, right? When we look, it's lust that is in all of us. Because it's hell that has been feeling us. So God says that, no, rather don't follow after lust. You say, no, lust is too much for me. Lust is too much for everybody. Do you see? But you say yes to God. And God says, take this step, take it. Take this step, take it. By the time you realize you are at a point in your development where the thing that you thought you could never resist, you are resisting them. It's not that you have resisted them all. The strength is in God. You have found that strength. You have found that strength. The Paul said that, what do you have that you did not receive? 
you know what the Bible says? Every good and perfect gift cometh from above. You see that thing? If it's good, it came from God. If it's bad, it came from hell. Simple. What do you have that you did not receive? Whatever you have that is good, you received it. Whatever you have that is evil, you received it. You are puppet. Yeah. So it's God that is moving the strings. So the way you were made, according to the levels of your mind, remember, the levels of your mind, the way you were made, if you are intending good, you see, you think that you are the one that is intending the good. Listen, you think that, ah, I'm intending the good. No, it's God that has pressed a button. So you are responding to God's intending of good. It's like God has lended his intending of good. Look, if there's a puppet and the puppet lifts the hand, what has happened? There's a connection between the hand of the puppeteer, right? And then the puppet. No matter, there's a string. So what the puppeteer is doing is that it is lending itself to the puppet. That's all. So when the puppet is able to lift up its hand, the puppet doesn't say, ah, I of myself lifted it. It is of the puppeteer. The one controlling the puppet is the one that is lending itself. When we say we are the house of God, we are vessels, instead of thinking that you are just containing God, you must think of it like God lends himself to you by stimulating you. So your members are there for stimulating. So this is your rational mind that we talked about. God comes in, but what he does is he stimulates it. So you can respond to his rationality. Then you can now think rationally. When he comes, he stimulates that part that makes you intent. Then you respond to his intentions. Then you begin to intend with his intentions. The Lord will help us. Hallelujah. Every good work begins with movement from God. So you see, as I'm speaking, my ability to speak, if what I'm doing is of God, its origin is from God. It's a vibration from God that has come and has made me speak. It means that if you can't speak, you know where to go. If you are weak, you don't look for the strength in yourself. Then you say, I have no strength, so I've given up. You have to go somewhere for it. Because you are not made to generate strength. You are made to respond to strength. You see? You see the evil that plagues you? That ability to resist it is not in you. It's with God. It's with God. And it is your responsibility to now allow God to turn you towards himself through his word. God is not saying turn you. Because it is not even in you to turn. It's not in you to turn. Some of you have turned before, right? If you turn, was that not a time that you didn't even know what it takes to turn? So I tell you, look to somebody that is not able to turn, right? And you say, ah, why are you not turning? You see, <laughs> you have forgotten where you are coming from. 
It is not in any man to turn. It is in God to turn. So but you have to turn first before God can dwell in you. I'm saying God must dwell in you in order to turn, that he can dwell in you fully. God must dwell in you in order to turn. Then he can dwell in you fully. But that dwelling in you in order to turn, you don't think it is dwelling in you, but it is dwelling in you. you know, it's completeness is when you have turned, then he dwells in you. And that's what I was trying to explain. When God gives you his word, he comes into the upper levels of your mind, right? And then when you are able to intend, who entered you to intend? Even the intending, that is not the deep intending. The one that you are having in the rational level of the mind so that you can now get to the intermediate and begin to respond to the word of God. Remember, you hear the word of God at the sensory level, right? We learn that when the word of God comes to you at the sensory level, God is in the higher mind, right? The aim is that you must begin to intend the good that the word of God prescribes, right? But it is God that is going to be in you as that intention. Then you must begin to think as to how you will apply it. It is God that is going to be in you as that wisdom or that thought. Then you will act and it will be God that is in you acting. Then when you do that, your inner rational mind, which is where the actual heart is, is changed. I'll take away from you the heart of stone. I'll give to you a heart of flesh. It is God that will also go and be there. Then your inner intermediate, it is still God that is going to be there. You understand that? But when we say it is God that is going to be there, it's not like God is going to perch there. God is the one that now is stimulating. I saw a picture of a friend of mine from SHS with his wife. And they were dancing. Then he said, Nami at the handle up. That's what he wrote under. Nami at the handle up. That is what happens here. When God enters your rational, it is God that handles your rational. It's God that is now pulling the strings there. So it's God that makes you think. It's God that puts into your thought what to think. It's God that brings the intention, the strong will for what is good, the strong heart for what is good. It's God that begins to enter your intermediate and pulls the string there. So everything that is done here at the rational, the intermediate, and the sensory is a response. You see, when a man begins to run away, it's a response. What is he responding to? Maybe a snake, right? So his members were influenced by the presence of the snake, right? Then he began to run. At times, if you watch some of these funny clips, some of the things people do, when they sit down and say they should, they will never think they can do it. But when danger comes, somebody can just climb a tree. You see, something is pushing you. So now it is God that enters into you to pull the strings. You are made with strings to be pulled. And every pulling of the string means you moving, you advancing, you taking a step for God. What do you have that you did not receive? In other words, what are you that you did not receive? Nothing. Tell anybody you are not that special. Hallelujah. Your being special is in the fact that the one that made you, made you into a certain puppet. Yes, so there are different types of puppets, right? So according to 
God, he made you into something. When he pulls your strings, you become an expression of him in a certain way. Then when he pulls the strings of another person, you become an expression of God in another way. You see, that's why arrogance is a foolish thing. That's why self-exaltation is a foolish thing. Think about it. I think you are better than somebody. You are deceived. It's just deception. You think somebody is better than you. You are also foolish. You are also deceived. Yeah. See, I normally tell you that when I look at people who do some things and I can't do it, I ask God, what have they seen, right, that I've not seen? And I keep telling you that that perception is not a scene from afar, but it's a perception that affects you, right? It's a scene that joins you to what you are seeing. So it means that if there's nothing in me or there's something that I lack, I can get it. Because even the thing that I think I don't lack, I got it. Do you get it? Originally, there's nothing inside anyone. You see a computer. The computer, hard disk, hard drive, everything, the hardware sitting there. Do you get it? It's only a puppet. It is made for the puppeteer. Do you see? The puppeteer now will be the software, right? Is that not the case? So the software takes advantage of the hardware. Then what is the hardware? Like computer hardware sitting there, what can it do? What can it do? You see, software is mind, right? Your hardware, even your mind is hardware. You, your mind is hardware. Your mind is only a form. Your mind is a form. Its substance is either from hell or from heaven. It's important for you to see this. But you know that you must apply yourself to the word of God, right? But you find that you can't apply yourself. You go to God to look for that ability to apply yourself. Even though you go to God to look for it. And it is in his word. You see, when you sit in church like this, a lot of times you want to hear the word, then when we finish, we pray. Right. Now, you see the mood you enter into when we say that we are now going to pray. Right. It is that mood you must be in when the message is being preached. That way, you take advantage of all the signals that are moving in your direction, not just the information for your memory. Because the Word of God is not just information for your memory, the Word of God is everything. So when the word of God comes, there's the information aspect. That is for your memory, right? But there's also the conviction aspect. There's the understanding aspect. There's the inspiration aspect. Everything is in that word. So you don't listen to the word of God and then you get it as information and you say, now let's pray. No. You see, this is what I'm telling you. I'm not giving you a suggestion. I'm telling you that this is how we deal from now onwards. That's how I listen to the word of God. Like when I used to sit in the pew, right, I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm looking for God. I'm praying. I'm listening, but that's what I'm doing. Because so much more is coming other than just you 
sharing with your ESNN, retaining it in your memory. The puppeteer is coming. And many things can be present inside you. You see, you can be organized into boldness. What did Paul say? God did not give to us the spirit of fear. It means fear is a spirit that must enter you. So it's self-generated. No, it's a traffic. There's a frequency that you tune into. And that frequency, the devil from hell also preach. So they preach to you and organize you, make your life some way, and prepare you to tune in into the frequency of fear. If God also wants to remove you from the frequency of fear, he will bring his word, debunk first the argument that are given to you, order your life in a certain way, and then as you follow God, he will arrange you, and by the time you realize, the fear frequency is still there, but you don't tune in. You get it? Your antenna doesn't pass, so it doesn't flow. You are now tuning in into boldness. But you see, you will tell God said be bold, so you look for the boldness inside. No. When God said be bold, you look for the boldness in him to tune in into. And it is not yours permanently. It is he in you through the work of the puppeteer. That's what you do. No, you try to generate all his requirements from inside you. That's recipe for despair. Whatever God requires of you, try to see inside you if you can make provision for it. Can you see what God says you should become? It's like the American football. No? The thing there, with the seas, <laughs> all that you for do, we say you for carry the ball from here to this line, right? But the problem we say, as you they try the good, then niggas, then they try to stop you. You see, that's the problem. You see, so we can see that I, who doesn't see when the word of God is here, who doesn't see that hey. If this word succeeds with me, I'll become fabulous. Who doesn't see? We see. But when we see the cost, right? And then somehow we conclude that some people are stronger or have the ability to pay the cost or suffer the cost in order to get to where they need to get. And we don't have it. And I'm telling you that even that one, it is still from God. So when you see a man doing what it takes to become what God wants them to become, it is not the man generating it from himself. It is God in the man because what it takes is also in God. It's not just the destination that is in God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and then I'm the life. He's not only the life. He is the way. He's also the truth. Please understand that. So what it takes is also in God. So if you can't find what it takes in you, and you go to God, and God does not help you to find what it takes, you have your excuse. You see, when God told me, I was like, oh, and I've not shared this a long time ago. Because that's how it is. So. You want to rise. You read that men must rise. Right? You want to rise. You see that, hey, the one saying you must rise, doesn't he know that these are the things that are plaguing me, right? So you go to God and Lord, I want to rise, right? This is the first problem. Then you begin to open yourself up. You begin to stay away. God will begin to teach you. God will supply. 
Like, for instance, do you know that the reason why you lack zeal is because some portion in your mind has not been stimulated? Have you seen somebody doing a postgraduate course in a Ghanaian university before? You did architecture as having masters, right? You see the way you did your masters? Okay. You also had friends doing the same masters, right? Now, now, yeah, just moving through the system, right? Okay. Now, when we look at you, we say that it's the black man, right? It's the black man. We are just like that, right? Okay. We can carry you to a university in UK, Liverpool University. And then, by the time we see us, something has happened to his mind. Yasabin is now a scholar. Yasabin is now in the library and drinking coffee to stay alert and is always working in the lab and is doing his things and his English has changed. And he said, <laughs> The same human being, though. So, what's the difference? Something touched somebody in mind. Something has touched your mind. I'm telling you. That thing, no, it didn't touch your mind when you're doing the PhD here. Or the masters yet. I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes you think that you there, when God made you, He squeezed out all the zeal out of you and put you in this world that you are supposed to just be uh, there's this guy called slow poison. He he can't hurry up. So he just comes like this. That's how he moves in his life. He moves slow pause. <laughs> slow pause. So that's how you think God made you. You have no zeal for anything spiritual. Do you understand that? I'm telling you that if you will allow God through the agency of his word, if you will let him turn, turn you, don't look into yourself and say, there's nothing so it cannot be. Hey, I cannot do anything. I'm too weak for this. No, just let God. He says, go here, go. But whatever he will give to you to do in the immediate is the one you can do. It's always like that. Oh, yes. It's always like that. So don't fast forward and say, hey, I will. no, no, do this one. Do you see? Take this step. Like some of you, you live here, you are stirred up, right? Do you know why you are stirred up? It's just you came to hear words, right? So you know that what has entered you is not just affecting your memory. There are various aspects of you that has been touched by the word of God. That's why I'm telling you that the word of God has different layers. So, God organizes, he presses here, 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 and it is equal to zeal. That zeal is not your soul. His part that he used to press, press, it's like, when I tap you, it's an impartation. It's a movement. Please, you understand that? So, I stir you up. So, if I touch your hair, your hand now can move. Right? If I touch you, your hand can move. If I touch you, your hand can move. If I move my touch, your hand goes down. Do you get it? So if you can allow God to build the logistics from his side, which is the strings, right? That moves from the puppeteer to the puppet. If you allow God to build that logistics, right? And then maintain that logistics, you find that all that is in God, just in terms of zeal, now becomes yours. I mean, one of the things that when I tell people they don't believe, and I tell them they want something else, you get it? It's like, oh, I tell them that 
Me, I used to be like this. Oh. Then they said, no, 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 no. But it's true. It means also that if something else is operating inside you, that has operated inside you for so long that it's as though it's you, you have to quickly come to the understanding that it's not you. You are not made to be anything in particular. Like you are not made to be something. What is inside you is not self-generated. It means that you can also allow the word of God to help you turn your back on that thing. You see, as I explained to you, it's like the ship or the boat, the sail, right? If the ship or the boat must go to my right, okay, and we look for where the wind is coming from, right? And then we actually set the sail to take advantage of the wind. If God requires that a man must go to the right, you must for sure believe that there is a wind that will blow the man to the right. Man's problem is that he's not going to the right because his sails have not been constructed. It is God's work to construct your sails. It is not your work to construct your sails because you don't know how to. If you must construct your sails, then you must have something in you to do. You have nothing. So it is still God that will construct your sails. And it will construct. It will construct gradually. Gradually, by the time you realize the sails are constructed. But some of you, your sails are set, constructed by hell already. So God, through his word, must pull down every stronghold. Because your sail that is turned, when God says go right, his wind is blowing you to the right already. If your sail is constructed, you take advantage of the wind and you go. Hell's wind is also blowing in the left direction already. So if your sail is constructed to take advantage of the hellish stimuli, right? So the thing that stimulates from hell, if your sail is constructed to take advantage of that one, what God must help you to do is to, through his word, gradually tear down. Because then the sail that is taking advantage of the hellish wind actually has become a stronghold against what the word of God seeks to do in you. Do you know a stronghold? A stronghold is a castle, okay, with cannon guns. And it's normally on a hill. So when the enemy is coming, you are shot down. So if your sail is erected to take advantage of the wind that blows from hell, your system is so that it shuts down God's wind. It shoots it down. Please, you understand that? It is not that, oh, personally, you are made for such things. No, your sails have been erected so that you are under hell's influence. It's hell's wind that is controlling you. So what God does, uh, he tears down this sail that is taking advantage of hell's wind and because of that has become a stronghold against heaven's wind. He pulls it down. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. Such imaginations are constructed. They are not yours. They are constructed in you. How? By turning you towards hell's imaginations. Please understand that. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Paul explains it again. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What it is that is wrong with you? That God says that you must deal with is against principalities and powers. That's what I'm saying. You are just a dress. Something must wear you. So it's what is wearing you that you fight with. 
And the thing that you must take as your armor, is it take your personal armor? No. It is called the armor of God with which you will be able to extinguish or stand against all the tricks of the enemy. It's not take your personal armor. You take the armor of God. That armor is in God. Please, you see. So God is the one that helps you to set down the sail that is in line with hell. Like the things that are being trafficked into you are always from hell. Evil desires, evil thoughts, the consequent fears, and all these things are coming from hell. They are not you. You didn't generate them. They are coming from hell. You understand that? What you have done is that you have yielded your members as instruments of unrighteousness. You see, that's what Paul said in Romans chapter 6. So he said, reckon yourself also to be dead unto sin and alive unto God. What do you mean by dead unto sin? You mean that sin cannot stimulate you. If you are dead to something, you are not in its realm. You are not in its frequency. So it cannot stimulate you. Like Paul said, he is crucified unto the world, and the world is crucified unto him. So to him, the world is crucified. And to the world, he, Paul, is also crucified. So they are not in the same realm. He said, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto what? Sin. What does it mean to be dead unto sin? Your members cannot be stimulated by sin. You have turned your sail away from the wind of hell. Then you must become what? But alive unto who? God. It means that now you are yielding to the heavenly stimuli. That's what you are doing. If you are alive unto something, then you are responsive to that thing. Is that the case? If you are alive unto God, then you respond to God. So what stimulates you from God is what you are responding to. And that's what the sails of the ship does. It becomes alive unto the wind that it needs to go to where it is going. If the wind is not good, it sets itself down. When the sails are set down, it means that the wind doesn't do anything to it. Hallelujah. So God says, set down your sails against hell, right? And then set up your sail for heaven. So the heavenly influence can now affect you. That's all. What is the best attribute of the globe? Is that it fits the hand that wants to wear it. Right? So if God wants to wear you and there's a blockade, he can't. So God now helps you to remove the blockade. Then he can wear you. If God wants to wear you and something else is wearing you, then he must help remove that thing that is wearing you. Because if something else is wearing you, right, and God says, find in yourself love, it is lust that is wearing you now. So how does God expect that you find in your heart, which is being controlled by lust? How does God expect that you find love in this heart? So the psalmist understood it. The creating me a clean heart. Oh, Lord. He knew that, no, a new heart. And it's in the scriptures. I'll give you a new heart. 
Why will he give you a new heart? It's not like how he will kill you and make you. No. Your heart that was organized towards hell, it will be set down. You know how your heart can be organized towards hell? It's in many things that come together. The things that you believe. And it's not like you just believe some two things. It's a web of beliefs. Those beliefs stimulate also taste, your taste buds. Okay? So your taste buds are stimulated in the direction of hell. The taste buds, okay? What is a taste bud? A taste bud responds to stimuli. So, you see, I used to eat a lot of salt many years ago. Yeah, when I do stew, I call something the threshold. I put salt into the stew to get to a point where if you add another, they say, it became. But if it stays there too, it's like, you understand? It makes the thing very nice. So it's like, if there's no salt in the food, it's not nice, right? Then I started to set down this seal. Now, if there's even small salt in the food, I can't eat it. Like, a yes, tasty kakrebiya mindi. One day, I ate jollof, and I said, this is nice. My day ate it, said, ah! And it was because it was really no salt. Like, do you see that thing? So some of you, it's like you have tasted evil, eh? And you think that your taste bad, the only thing it can enjoy is evil. It's just a taste bad. If you give it to good, you will see that actually this is what it was made for. And the enjoyment of your taste bad for good is even higher. Because the evil one that you are enjoying, you know, is not what it was made for. It's a perversion. And no perversion can be as enjoyable as what it was made for itself. It's like playing ball with socks. You see, so your taste bad that evil has been stimulating, no. That has made you so inclined to evil. Because if evil is stimulating your, your taste bad, then you think it's nice, right? Then you accept the argument that the evil has to support the evil. Do you get it? Now, when God comes in, he begins to remove the argument and begins to remove all the protection. And then he begins to let you taste the good small small. When you begin to taste the good small small, you see it's sweetness, right? He begins to lead you away. Then when you are finally out of that evil, you will understand that the joy and the taste of good far outweighs the taste of evil. Mm. But now something else has been controlling your taste for a while. You see, and that's how it is. When we are all born, it's evil that we start to know first. Because we must know something. <laughs> Do you understand that? Yeah, something must fail a man. So, it's evil that normally we begin with. So we think that evil tastes nice, right? But God can help you set down your seal. Then help you reconstruct a better seal. All with him. So God is not the one that you must impress here. Our aim here is not about impressing God. Do you know why you want to impress God? You are arrogant. You want something in it for yourself. No glory for you. Any man that is taking glory is a fool. You are deceived. It's true. It's like you think something is there, but there's nothing there. That time you feel like, hey, God, God, God is not satisfied with you. It's also because you are arrogant. You think that you need to do something 
for God to be satisfied with you. But God is the one doing all the work. When God decided to create, you get it? Where were you? That's one of his arguments against Job. Where were you? So we start from Genesis chapter 1, right? It was God that said, let there be light in you. In you. That awareness, hey. Like you see the prodigal son. He came to himself, right? It's God. Because it's only in God that men can come to themselves when they are doing something wrong and begin to go in the right direction. It's in God. It's an ability that God will give to a man. So if a man comes to himself and says, no, things must change in my life, that man has been visited. God has succeeded in laying logistics to stir that man up in that regard. But more must follow. But when you decide that, hey, no, something must change, you must begin to make your journey back to your father, right? It is God that will construct for you. But how do you even make your journey to God? Have you tried to make your journey to God before? Like, I'm too far away from God. I'm going to pursue God. You went to me, sat on your bed. Where do we go from here? Where do we go? <laughs> like I tell you, you say, I'm going to pray. As I go home, I'm going to pray. You sit down. You say, kaya bada, kaya bada. You like that? No. You know how you pray? You must be looking for that frequency. They say, I explain to you, lift your wings to wait for the wind. It's God that must come and carry you to pray. But you think that your prayer must impress God because you think that the prayer is to move God and God will. No. You are presenting yourself for God to move you and God to move through you now. That's what you are doing. They that wait upon the Lord, right? They that wait upon the Lord. I pray that I will understand this thing. You see, because you get a lot that a man must turn away from evils. A man must turn towards righteousness. A man must go through the process of temptation and all that. But I'm showing you that God is with you and is the one actually constructing you. If you find that you have turned in the opposite side against evil, it is God that turned you. But it's not like, ah, I'm waiting, God, turn me. No, your vessel must be presented. So if God speaks, you admit it. You take it in. You move with it. You move with it. That's how God is constructing you. That's how he's constructing you. How many of you know how to drive? Okay. How many of you, the day that you needed to go and learn how to drive and you sat in the car, you were worried that you may not be able to drive? In my hand is up. I couldn't, like... Hey, you turn this thing, you must look forward. Then we are left with manual too, right? So when you are changing the gear, how do I make sure it's at one, right? Then my leg must be pressing on the clutch. How do I learn to release the clutch and then press on the accelerator whilst looking forward? So I remember when we were teaching us, I'm changing the gear, I'm entering the bush. <laughs> do you see? It's like, hey, how can it happen, right? How can it happen? Why didn't you then say you will not drive? No, you went the next day, right? The next day, did you learn how to drive totally? No. Something was added. So the one teaching you knew how to organize you. So what was happening? You are being organized. You are being organized. Then you realize, oh, now you can change the gear and still be going straight. But when you are releasing your leg from the clutch into the accelerator, it does, you see that in between there, 
did that zoom before you then the car goes away. So yeah, I used to come and sit at home and say, hmm. I'll be thinking about it. I'll be thinking about it. Then the next day, I thought I'll have a plan, right? That this time, this is how I'll do it. But as I'm executing the plan, I forget that I must be changing the thing. So my mind shifts so much onto the current plan that I feel like I have, right? And I seem to move away from what I learned. Then the one teaching me will bring me back to what I learned, right? Then I'll go again. And at times, I'm even there like, how will I learn? Then that's why I come and sit there. Then it's like I'm doing it. Hey! Do you get it? Then now, we can change. Release your destiny, right? And then you are going. Then you must pay attention to all the cars that are going on around you. How do you do that? Do you see? How do you do that? Then you are constructed, constructed, constructed. I tell you, maybe some of you started on the park. Did you start on the park? I started on the park. Went on the park. Uh, then you thought you get it. Right. And that's how God does with you. So if God shows you something, you start working with this small small. You tell that you have arrived. It's always like that with man. So when you fall into the trap of thinking you have arrived, and you later realize, oh, okay, this is how we are. So you just get back. Don't be arrogant too. Already we've said that you are not anything. So the day that you go to the road, you are like, no, that thing, you don't know it. Then even the road, you go to a main road, so not many cars are coming. Then they say, okay, after maybe two months, they say, now we'll be going to town, town driving. They say, you have to park, roadside parking. You have to go forward and reverse and bring your bottles like this and then come and be on the thing. Even as if you can't do it. But if you don't give up, they say that, me, dear, I'm not made for sight. I said it's a frequency. You follow small, small. Today you try it. It works a bit. You become arrogant and you think that you know how to do it. The next day you try again, you say, I don't know how to do it. Then you go back to relearn the thing, to rethink it. Then you come back. By the time you have been constructed, you tune it down. You just go like, shroom, shroom. then you come and be there and say, yes. You get it. So you see, you thought you couldn't drive, but now you can drive. You can drive. What happened? What happened? Your teacher organized you for it, right? Now you drive instinctively. Now you are, if you are, you are texting, you are reading a book, you are driving with one hand. You see, hey, you see. Now you do about taking like this. So what happened? You are constructed. Something that was not in you before has now entered you. And it's controlling you. That's how come you can drive. That's how come you can drive. It's not something that was in you before that was lifted up, raised up. No, it wasn't in you before. You are a vessel. You are a puppet. You are tapped into a frequency. That's all. So you ask yourself, what is God requiring of you that you cannot become? You see, God is not a bad man. You have misunderstood him. And his ways are not difficult to walk upon. Because he will help you and hold your hands to walk on that if you allow him. 
he knows your frame and he knows there's nothing inside you that can actually make you into what he requires. So he wants to remove what is inside you by setting down that sin and then construct a new thing. Take advantage of his own. That's what he wants to do for you. And you have to believe. Yes, I told you that when God gives you an instruction, something to obey, he does not need your obedience. He is constructing you. It's like the potter. You see, the pot must hold the water, right? And the water belongs to the potter. And it's the potter that makes the pot. And that's what God wants to do. He's making you, then he's filling you. Those that are in hell are those who said they will not allow him to make them. That's all. What is difficult for you is because your sin is turned against God. You have to turn your sin. It will not be difficult for you again. It will not be difficult for you again. I remember one of the things that I was quietly afraid of some years ago. I always thought that God would let me preach, but I was afraid. Listen, I was afraid that it would disrupt too many things. But sometimes you feel like God is trying to give yourself to his word more. But you fear the consequences, right? That fear, you can't remove it from there. That fear, you can't find something else in yourself to replace that fear. That fear is a frequency you have tuned into. The same God whose word you fear now. If you go to him and tell him, God, I know that this is what your word says, but this is what I fear. So now this is our work now. Our work between you and God. Before the word that he has given to you, the project now is that we fear what this word. So we don't like this word, not because we don't think it's good, but there's a fear inside me that makes me not want to go along with this word. So let's deal with the fear first. That's when God will begin to tell you things. He begin to remind you of things. You come to church and the message that was preached, it highlights a reason why you are afraid and removes it from you. So it breaks a part of the sin. You realize that that part is not there again. You realize that there's a misunderstanding, a dark spot. So God clears that. Then it's not there again. Then you realize that now, one day you are looking for the fear, it's not there. Who maketh you to differ from the other? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, so it's not like a question that has a different answer. It's like that question that the answer is already known. Right? Said, now, if you did receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? You see? Oh, such a friend, he loved me, yeah. I knew him. He drew me with the cords of love, and thus he bound me to. Yeah. And run.
still closely twine those ties which not can show you something. John chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Now this is the prototype human being. So it means that it shows the standard relationship between deity and humanity. Right? And here the son is a human, right? So the son can do what? Nothing of himself. Tell anybody agree right now. Agree. Just agree. Now what happens? But what he seeth the father what? Do. For what things soever he doeth, this also doeth what? The son. That's the relationship between the puppet and the puppeteer, right? For the father loveth the son. This one we'll look at as to what the loving is. You're like, ah, I prefer you. No. See, to love is to intend to do good, right? And to endeavor to do it. But that is from the point of the one that is loving. But when the love has been accomplished. So the good I wanted to do for you has been done. It means I've loved you. Do you see? Love starts with my desire for you, right? If, that is, if you allow me to do what I want to do for you, right, then I've loved you. So at times, for when the Bible talks about God loving somebody, it's, it's that what he seeks to do, he has been able to do in the person. Do you understand that? Right. So he says that for the father loveth what? The son. And showeth him what? All things that himself what? Doeth. Alright. John chapter 6 verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said I am the bread which came down from heaven. <laughs> and they said it's not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Mama not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the father which hath sent me draw him. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. That's what? Draw him. Puppeteer, right? Except you are stimulated. No, man. Except God draws you. Amen. Okay. So let's 
Look at the word translated draw so that you'll understand it. Okay? The Greek word translated draw. That's what it means. To draw or to drag. Do you see? So get the feeling. To draw or to drag. And you'll appreciate it even more. To force to follow by some leading power. To what? Force to follow. Now, if you look at it, is it a force against your free will? No. A force against what is holding you back. So it means that what you think is holding you back against the direction of the word of God, the power to break its influence over you is going to have to come from the Lord. Do you see? The power to break its influence over you is going to have to come from the Lord. So to force to follow by some leading power, mostly against the natural resistance of whatever is drawn. So that's the understanding. That's why Jesus used that word to draw. To force to follow by some leading power, mostly against the natural resistance of whatever is drawn. Now, another word that is interpreted in English from this Greek word is to impel. To impel means to drive, to force, or urge someone to do something. So, you see, God doesn't just tell you, go and do something. No, he will urge you, he will draw you, he will push you. So he said, I don't have the strength to do what God is asking me to do. Okay, so go to God for that strength because that strength is supposed to come from God to you. Do you understand that? Okay, so to drive forward or to propel. Hallelujah. That's what it means to draw. So Jesus is saying that no one can come to you except the Father draws him. This is what God does to you. This is the influence of the word of God on you. It's to draw you. It's to encourage you. It's to stay. It's to paint before you a hope. Press that part of you that is responsible for having hope. Press that part of you that is responsible for energy. That is responsible for zeal. Press that part of you that is made to respond to effort. Like all those things are inside you, and God's word will be pressing all of them and organizing you to respond to Him. That is what the house of God is. That's what the vessel is. The vessel is not just to contain God, but it is meant to respond to God. When your vessel is mad, it's a vessel being used for dishonorable things. It means that some other things have turned you so that they are pressing and controlling you. Now, God can purge you from those things so that your vessel will become an honorable vessel. Now, honorable means that he is the one that can now press, press you. Do you see? It's like that gentleman that has 
the lady that would be the love of his life all around him. So Dixon has the love of his life around him. Maybe she's in church. Do you see? But the problem with Dixon is that Dixon has seen a girl that drives a Volvo. When we were in university first, we read some literature. There was this guy. He had this area girl from the same neighborhood that they liked. So one day, he saw a woman that drives a Volvo come and park there and enter her house. The boy said he likes the woman. That. So Dixon has the love of his life by him. But Dixon is also chasing after another person. So what will happen is that Dixon's antenna is not tuned into the love of his life. Right? It's rather up for somebody else. And that's our relationship with God. God is the love of our lives, right? But we are tuned into something else. We are tuned into something else. God wants the antenna to be turned back on him. You see? God wants the antenna to be turned back on him. That's the only thing God wants. To reclaim that antenna. To reclaim that antenna. So it's in the same context that Jesus says that he is the vine. Right? And we are the branches. Then he says clearly that without me, you can do nothing. Did you see? Without me, you can do nothing. But you would like to think that without him, you can do something. But he says that without me, you can do nothing. So what can we do? That's my question. You realize that in reality you have no excuse. Excuse is power. Power against, right? Power against. God has left you without excuse. If you don't follow God, you know that it's not because there was no strength. It's not because there was no zeal for it. It's not because there was no energy. It's not because you could not overcome what held you back. It's not because of any of that. Because the word that says, walk down before me and be perfect. Inside that word is how you would walk with him, how you walk before him. And if you are kept away from walking before the Lord, how he would deliver you from what is keeping you away. So all of that is the path. I know that some of us have been given the excuse that we are weak, that we are not like somebody, that somebody is stronger than me, that what God is requiring from me is too much. What God says you should do 
is too much for you. And that is why you have not walked with me. But now you can't have that. So then you have to decide whether it's really that you really thought you were weak or it was just an excuse to continue in the evil. If it's not just an excuse, then this is good news for you. Now you understand who your God is. That he's the one with you. When the three Hebrew boys stepped into the furnace, he was with them in the furnace. He was there. Yet though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm so strong. No. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Every man is afraid if God doesn't enter. Even those that look like they are not afraid. Every man is afraid. Let me tell you, all the things that plague you, they plague everybody. The difference is God. How much God has been allowed to help. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Now let God help you. Let God help you. He's not the one you are fighting against. He's not the one that has made your life difficult. He's not the one that has given you requirements that you have to really die before you can fulfill. The one that is trying to make your life better. He made you for something. And what he made you for, he has no gain in it. He has no iota of gain in it. It is all for your gain. It is all for your gain. It is men who don't understand God that at times will make you feel like God hates you because you have not obeyed him. It is men. Human beings, we are not perfect. So the one that is at times teaching you can take what is teaching you so personal that it's as if it is own personal word. And as human beings, we attach our own self-entitlement to some of these things. And because of that, if somebody disobeys the word we teach, we are offended. And we project it as though God is also offended. God says he knows your frame. When he's asking you to do something that you are weak in, you are not the one to tell him that you are weak in it. He knows you are weak in it. What he wants you to do is to turn to him so that he can help you resolve that weakness. He can teach you the way to go and the steps to take, what to let go, what to turn away from, and for that weakness to move, then you can fulfill what he asks of you. That is God. That is God. That is God. That is God. His commandments are not grievous. And he has not laid a heavy burden on your neck. Yesterday we learned it. Luke chapter 19. The nobleman that went into a far country to receive a kingdom. What he gave them to do, not knowing that he brought them the kingdom he had received. 
So they take 10 cities and be in charge of 10 cities. When he was going, the people that turned against him said that this man wants to rule over us. And that's what hell does to you when God gives you his word. Because hell wants to continue to rule over you. They say God wants to rule you. You're a hard man. You reap where you have no sin. You feel like God has given you something. He's sitting back to see if you do well. And when you do well, he will come and take the glory. That's a lie. He wants to help you too. And when he is done, you will be the one to be beautified. Not God. You will be the one to be glorified. Not God. He says, glory that shall be seen on you. Arise, shine. For thy light is come, right? The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. God is your friend. So then, what will you do? You see, now you have to edit your approach. The way you pray. Some of you think you are really working hard towards God. And it's good. But your attitude is wrong. Good activity. You must pray. You must study the word. But wrong attitude. So, what you are doing, you are sinning. Do you see that thing that you are doing, you are sinning. Proof. You see the repercussions. It will lead you into frustration. It will lead you to. You see, because that's what sin produces. But change your attitude. You are not trying to impress God. You are not trying to gain God's respect. You are not trying to gain God's attention. You want God to lift you above all men. And make you better than everyone else. You see. So you are doing things, but it won't go anywhere. That's when you begin to understand many of the things that you've been told. Don't take yourself too seriously. You are not anybody. Don't hear, right? But it's true. Is this the attitude you must have towards God? You are really not anybody. What are you? Anybody, what do you think you are that you did not receive? So if you say, hey, listen to the messages, right? How many of you find that you can't listen to the messages? They say listen to the messages, but you can't. Put up your hand, let me see. Good. Because a spirit must enter you. I'm telling you. Because when I came up, I saw police watching and listening to messages, and I was like, hey, what are you people doing? This is. But one thing moved, another thing, another thing moved, another thing moved, another thing moved. So something must enter you. You just decide that you are not going to then say that you are not that type. What you did was that you misunderstood God's instruction and listened to the messages. And told that that's a way to impress God. And as you have not been able to do it, you say God is not impressed with you. So you find your corner to go and stand. Right? No. God does not need to be impressed by you. Think about it. What can a man do that will make God anything? God can't be impressed. 
You see, what we call being in presence, the things that come together to form it, God doesn't have those things. You must not expect it. You must not know that the person is capable. There are many things that come together to form that feeling of I'm impressed. You see, he knows the end from the beginning. Plus, whatever you are going to do, that you think is impressive. He is the one in you. Probably God should just be impressed with himself. You know then from the beginning, how do you think God will be impressed? But if you allow, he'll be in your minutest considerations. He'll be there. You'll be planning with him. When you are suffering about a certain word, God must have a seat there. You see, you must not run into the cupboard and go and suffer and find your direction and come and show God that God, <laughs> you said what, we should do what. No, 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 God should sit down with you. Should you and God should go and tell you, sit down with the seat. I can't. You see, one of the things that I tell God all the time, every time I'm preparing to come and teach people, I always get there that I don't know anything. It's like I say it. I don't know anything. How do you expect me to teach people things? But you sit somewhere and say, hey, the guy knows things, right? No, 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 no. I don't know anything. If I know something, God that must enter me. Even the ones he has taught me, eh, if he doesn't enter me, Christ, like there are manner that, you see, there's a manner collect, eat, and then the next day collect, right? But if you collect it, you keep it, turns into my God. So there must be a constant connection with the puppeteer. Hallelujah. Tell about God is your friend. God is your friend. So you let him pull your strings. You let him pull your strings. Let him set you up. This is I explained to you how people laugh. It's a setup. Even for you to laugh. The comedian will set you up. Say this, say that, say this, say that. But then you're like, you start laughing before the joke is done. Yeah. And that's what the word of God does for you. You can't have a casual attitude towards the word of God. There's so much God is trying to do as his word comes to you. And if you allow him, you know there's so much is happening. Because you can enter things and you say, hey, as you hear the word of God, you are inspired. It's like before your evil desires were strong. And so you lack the inclination to go in the direction of the word of God. And as you have listened to the word of God, you have been in the system, like listening to the word of God. You say, ah. It's like the evil desires are down somewhere. And you now feel like it is possible, right? Your problem is that you only know how to experience it. You don't know how to keep going with it. You see how we say that pray, right? Pray. How many of you are able to pray? But they say pray. So as we say, let's be praying a lot. If you're able to pray, put up your hand. Okay. My hand is down. I'm telling you. 
You know, all the prayers are prayed, the Spirit entered me. I'm telling you. You know what the problem is when the Spirit enters you is when you pray, ah, you begin to think that, hey, you now you are the praying man. Then the next day you try it, like maybe there's a special program like this. So I'm coming to prepare, coming to prepare, pray for you, right? <laughs> like exactly that. Then I sit down. <laughs> yeah. So you wait for God. Try to now go there right to God help me. God, your people must understand these things. They must catch a spirit. How do I continue fill my mind? Let the words that I say fit in exactly the way that they need to hear it. What must go before? What must follow it? Let it be exactly how it must be arranged so that in the hearing it, they be organized. You know, interesting thing. Just the thing that I've said here. What has entered me? Where is God? Where is God? God, you will show up. The people will be blessed. The people will be blessed. I don't understand that type of prayer, you know. Maybe I leave you because maybe everybody and what works for them, right? But my own is that challenge. But how do I even begin a prayer that it will be a prayer? Like I'm going to pray. The instruction that I pray, right? How do you even begin it and it is called prayer? Like it fits into what God says is prayer. We have to wait and let God help us. And normally when you're looking for God, these are some of the things you say. Begin with the thing that when you say it fits, it fits with you. It's truth. You begin to speak the truth. Like, how would they be helped? You see, the energies that these things generate. You see. What will make a man try to begin a prayer from himself? Because he has not understood. So it means I must ask that God will move my mouth. No. You see how the bird flies? It's almost like it is flying by itself, but it's taking advantage of the wind. Even like the eagle. Right? If it doesn't position itself, it will remain where it is. If it also does this and there's no wind to carry it, it will remain where it is. So yours is to try and just position yourself. That's what you do. Everything is about positioning. The way you're trying to position yourself, you say, ah, you don't love the people. You see, your sale is turned. So now that becomes your topic. You can say, hey, now I'm going to love the people. I love the people in the name of Jesus. I love the people. What do you think? Have you tried it before? <laughs> no. Because it's not your love that you use to love the people. It's God's love that must enter your heart. So how does this enter my heart? It's a beautiful thing that anything that God requires of me, I don't have to generate it. 
My work is to liaise with God to find it in him. So what can I not become? You see, what can I not become? Like what the songwriter said, there's no mountain too great. He lives in me. If only you can believe in God, the power of God, like Jesus told me, if only you can believe, you see the glory of God. Okay, no, it's true, we get it, right? We know that if we can believe, we see the glory. Who doesn't know? But the problem is that how do I believe? I'm looking for believing inside me. Maybe in the hope. Yes, okay, I believe. I said, no, there's something stronger than what I'm saying, I believe. That is unbelief. And you begin to think that you must believe to please God, then God will move. No, you must go and look for that belief from God. So you must go back. Is I trying to teach somebody quadratic equations and you discover that the person doesn't understand linear equation. And so you go a step back. Then you go and do linear equation. Then you come and do quadratic. So you go back. There's a the belief, no. God, how do I believe? You know, it's a word that must enter you from God for you to believe. You know, it's a word. Some wind must enter you. When that wind enters you, you believe. Faith is not, mm, I believe, I believe. Have you said you believe before and you know that you don't believe? Well, the campus told me a story of a friend that said, Divine help, divine help. <laughs> One day they were looking for something in his bag and they realized that he has anti-malaria drugs in his bag and things, right? So if you talk like that, you have to do certain things in secret. You see? Because the thing you are saying, you know, you know you don't believe. Because faith, eh, no man owns faith. It belongs to God. So to believe God is for God. So if you believe God, God must enter you to believe. God must enter you. So your work is to go and look for that faith in God. Then you know that the faith is not to impress God so that God will move. The faith is to liaise with God so that God can move through you. So something is bothering you. You need to have faith. I'm looking for the faith inside you. No. You have to look for the faith in God. There's nothing inside you. There's nothing. It's all in God. And that's the beautiful part of it. I like that. I don't know if you like it. To me, it's comforting. Because... It ends for me if God says I should do this and I look in me to see if I can do it and I realize I can't do it. To me, it ends there. But if rather I must find what it means to do it in God, then hallelujah. So if I felt I must take three steps to find it, right? And I don't know how to take the first step. I go to God and God, this first step, it is in you. I need it, right? God will help me. We'll get there. The second step is not in me. 
It's in God. The third step is not in me. It's in God. Then when we get to the final point, it's still not in me. It's in God. There are people that say that it's not possible to love one woman, right? Because it's not in any man. And so they tell the truth. When they check in themselves, that's not what they find. But it's in God. It's in God. So you can find it in God. Then we lie to you that it's a sentence of unhappiness. Happiness is to have the opportunity to spread your tentacles like an octopus. But in God, the greatest happiness that supersedes the happiness of adultery is the happiness in sticking to one woman. I know you don't believe it. <laughs> you see. Right, it's like that. If a man is confronted with this and he finds he has had the love for Barait, what should he do? How can he generate a love for one when it is a love for variety that is in his heart? It's God that he must go to. He will find in God a love for one because that belongs to God. And in the process, God will defeat the love for many. He must work with God. Hallelujah. I want you to close your eyes. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees it. The difference is that some have taken advantage of God more than others. And God is able to do more in others than others because people have allowed him, people have not allowed him. That's the difference. Every man is bankrupt. Paul said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Every person starts from there. No good thing. Zero! Including the desire for a good thing, crying is still good. So that is not there. The desire for truth is not there. The knowledge of truth is not there. Nothing. All belongs to God. And it is God's property in man. It is God's property in man. And this is how God wants you to think of him. It means that when you are weak, you don't enter into despair. You don't enter into despair. Because your strength can be found in your God. And God can lay before you the road. And walk with you on that road to strength. When you must have an ability and it is not there. That is not the end. When your heart must be a certain way and your heart is not like that, you don't look at it and say, then that is the end. Because I looked in me and there was no strength to rise up and do the right thing. You don't end there. 
You don't end there. You don't end there. You don't end there. You look for it in God now. It's even good that you don't find it in yourself. Because those that find it in themselves is a deception. Who maketh you to differ from the other? And what do you have that you did not receive? Everything must be received. The will to study the word must be received. The discipline to study the word must be received. The will to apply the word must be received. The patience to continue. Say, they who through patience continues in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. That patience continues in well-doing. You must receive it from God. Which man of himself has a patient continuance in well-doing? No man. It's a good attribute that belongs to God. And it is God's to give to the man that asks him. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? You require patience. You take in you, there is no patience. What do you think? in themselves has patience. And even the lack of patience in you, it is from hell. If you will have patience, you will have to find it in the Lord. And if you will go to God, he will walk with you on the path that will bring you to the place of patience. Then you will say that when the Lord turned against the captivity of Zion, we are like they that dream. We are like they that dream. We were like they that dream. The psalmist said, quicken us, quicken us, and we will call upon you. Quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. Even to be able to call upon the name of God, God must quicken that man. So if you find in you the lack of capacity and desire to call upon the name of God, you still go to God to look for that capacity and desire with which to call upon his name. Quicken us. We will call upon your name. Quicken us. Quicken us. Quicken us. So will not we go back from thee. Quicken us. And we will call upon thy name. Turn us again, O Lord of hosts. Cause thy face to shine. And we shall be saved. You can build strength in God. 
You can build strength in God. You can find your strength in God. You can find your strength in God. You can find encouragement in God. You can find hope in God. You can find everything. Everything is in God. So that God will be all in all. Everything a man will be, he must find it from God. That is why he's your father. Why say it thou, O Jacob? And speak it, O Israel. My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Has thou not known? Has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. He does not faint concerning you, please. He is not weary concerning you. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. 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 And to them that have no might, he increased strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk. And not faint. Ezekiel chapter 2. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet. That was the instruction to the prophet. Stand upon thy feet and I will speak unto thee. And you will think that then it is on the prophet to stand up. Look at the next verse. And the spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spake unto me. For God to speak unto you is to have perception of him. And for you to do that, you must stand. And that's what God requires of you. Stand at attention. But you find that you have no strength to rise up and stand that he may speak unto you. But the commander stand at attention. Stand before me that you may hear me. It comes with the spirit. And the spirit will enter you if you will allow. And set you upon your feet. And the spirit entered into me when he spoke, spoke unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spoke unto me. You say you cannot hear. God will make you hear. You say you have... You don't have what it takes to stand to respond to God. His spirit will enter you and set you upon your feet. 
walk with him. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Go with him step by step. You will find that you that you thought you could never stand before God and be instructed by him. Now you are standing and it is it is it's, it's shocking. And it is because it is the Lord that has brought you to that point. What the Lord can do with a man. He takes the man from the miry clay. That he may set his feet upon the rock to stay. The weak things of the of this earth. That is what the Lord does. a holistic program. It includes the journey as well as the destination. Are you burdened? And there is nothing in you to deliver you from your bondage. discontented, they were owing, they had issues, they gathered themselves on today. They became David's mighty men. It's unfair to God you treat him as someone who is trying to hurt you with his commandments and create a difficult situation for you. Don't be like the one that received one talent. Don't be like the one that received one pound. Believe in the good intentions of God towards you. 